some folks are fearful of the conversation that needs to take place regarding history, culture, race, racism. Just as simple as that. I'm Emily Williams, and this is Understand South Carolina from the Post and Courier. In Charleston and in communities across the country where Confederate and related monuments have been removed, there's still a big question left to be answered. What should be done with them now? For the last several years, Los Angeles-based curator Hamza Walker has been working on an exhibit that will gather some of those monuments in the same place, displayed with and in dialogue with works of contemporary art. It's tentatively called Monuments, and the exhibit is slated to debut in the fall of 2023 at the Museum of Contemporary Art Los Angeles. Walker and his co-curators are approaching local municipalities, asking to borrow these monuments for the exhibition, and in the process, stirring up some difficult but necessary discussions about these monuments, their legacies, and what these communities are going to do with them now that they've been removed from their public pedestals. Charleston is one of those communities. The city has been asked to loan out its statue of John C. Calhoun for the exhibit. Calhoun was a fierce defender of slavery, and the city's decision to remove the 12-foot-tall bronze statue to him in Marion Square came after weeks of protests over the death of George Floyd. Taking it down wasn't easy. It took about 17 hours. Calhoun had loomed over that part of Charleston for about 124 years. The United Daughters of the Confederacy and other entities and organizations in the late 1800s and in the early 1900s began placing markers, monuments, statues across the southern part of the United States, the old Confederacy, in an effort to, one, romanticize a time before 1865, two, to, to change the narrative to say that this was a lost cause that need to be memorialized, that needed to be remembered. Three, an opportunity to tell African-American folks that you may have had your heyday or your high point doing reconstruction, but that is over. Having these markers, monuments, statues systematically being placed as a part of a process was there to, to remind them of another past. That's clear, that's simple, that's documented. Michael Allen is retired from the National Park Service, and he's a member of the Charleston Commission on History. Did 37 and a half years with the Park Service here uh, in the greater Charleston area, working at Fort Moultrie, Fort Sumter, helped to establish and bring online the Charles Pinckney National Historic Site. For a number of years, I was involved with the creation and development of the Gullah Geechee Culture Heritage Corridor, which I also guess helped bring online. And in my last foray was working in Buford in the establishment of another site, Reconstruction Era National Monument. So among all those other things, I'm active in the community, just supporting communities and and, and doing good works and preserving and protecting African history and culture. My intersection with history and culture is way beyond removing John C. Calhoun. However, my intersection with history has always been, how can we bring to light things that were hidden in plain view? Working at a Civil War park, 
allowed me to to be a part of a change in addressing how the park, the community, uh, our area looked at slavery, African-American history and culture, white supremacy, Jim Crow, how all of these things often hidden in plain view, but have an impact upon us. So when the narrative began or the conversation ensued in terms of John C. Calhoun, this was something that was not foreign to me. How do you take a, a, a person, a place, a statue, if you will, that was placed there for a specific reason beyond history? And, and with me knowing the history and, and the background of John C. Calhoun himself, uh, some of the things that he espoused, the belief that he had in slavery, how that helped to permeate the bloodstream of, of, of the southern part of the United States. And, and to be truthful about it, it's still in the bloodstream of, of the South today. I'm Emma Whalen, and I'm the City of Charleston reporter for the Post and Courier. When was the Calhoun Monument taken down? It was taken down in June 2020 as a response to the George Floyd protests. The city council voted to take it down, but didn't have a specific idea of what to do with it next at that time. And where did the statue go after it was taken down? Where has it been for the last year and a half? Uh, specifically, we don't know. It's in storage in an undisclosed location. I think the city doesn't necessarily want to draw a lot of attention to where it is at the moment, just given the controversy around it. So we don't know. My name is Hamza Walker, and I'm the director of LAXR, an alternative contemporary art gallery located smack in the middle of Hollywood. I've been here for five years. I work in the field of contemporary art. And so, you know, how can the present be made legible through works of art, if at all, right? And if so, uh, what does art have to say about this moment? I keep an eye on what's what's happening. And so what are some of the, you know, major cultural events, even outside the sphere of contemporary art proper, let's say, right, just socially, politically. Did I expect those monuments to come down in my lifetime? No. Did I expect to see a Black president in my lifetime? No, right? So these are just some of the major events to have occurred, just on a biographical note, over the course of my lifetime, in addition to their, as a, you know, what does this say about the trajectory of the country? So how does the removal of these monuments relate to that trajectory? So that is what piqued my interest. And I would say, how could it not be? Hamza Walker, along with the artist Kara Walker, started working on the Monuments exhibit in 2018, after what he described as the first wave of removals of Confederate monuments. Charleston was the spark for that. After an avowed white supremacist killed nine parishioners at Mother Emanuel AME Church, in June 2015. The second wave happened after the killing of George Floyd in May 2020. After the murder of George Floyd, the the kind of confluence of the issue of police brutality and the issue of the Confederate monuments merged. Before that, they were two separate things, right? Now, 
how separate could they be, right? Now, obviously, one considers questions of legacies of slavery and Jim Crow, but they seem to have had, there were two, you know, the activists who were involved in the spate of high-profile police shootings were not, <laughs> you know, the same in some sense as those who were engaged with the decommissioning of the Confederate monuments. That changed radically. And so we went from 30, looking at 30 monuments, to 150 overnight. In all of these communities, it's, it's probably different in each one. But in Charleston, who's going to actually make the decision of if the Calhoun Monument goes to Los Angeles for this exhibit or not? Yeah, the first step in this case was it was reviewed by the Charleston Commission on History, which is a combination of volunteers who are mostly from the world of academia and a couple city council members. They reviewed the request and they broke it up over two meetings, discussed it at length, whether they wanted to move forward with it. And then at the end of their second meeting going over it, decided to make a recommendation to city council that they would approve loaning the statue to to the exhibit. But the city council gets the final say. They'll have a vote at some point over whether to decide to lend the statue out. But that has not been scheduled yet. What were some of the things that the commission discussed across those two meetings when they were deciding whether or not to recommend this? What were some of the issues and questions that were coming up for people? There was some debate over particularly a catalog that will be published along with the exhibit about how is John C. Calhoun going to be described, who is writing that catalog entry, and what aspects of his legacy are going to be emphasized. And members of the Historic Commission view his legacy differently, and some of them had some concerns about him being portrayed in a way that would denigrate South Carolina, that would denigrate Charleston and but other ones, you know, were also concerned that there would be a possibility that the catalog would gloss over his ties to slavery, his his promotion of slavery. And they didn't want to hide that either. So there was a lot of back and forth of just his portrayal in general and not knowing, obviously, at this point, what the final result of the exhibit will be. This exhibition is playing itself out in real time. You know, if you wanted to do an exhibition as it relates to a current event, you know, usually there's some lag time between the formation of the exhibition and the event itself, right? This happens to be an instance where it's like, nope, there's no space at all. And we are watching things unfold now. And there's still... It's still a sore spot, as we can attest with respect to how it's playing itself out in Charleston. I guess having the opportunity to be a part of building a museum and and developing an exhibit, I had, I guess, a sensitivity of, 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 and that's the word there, sensitivity of how this is done. And, and, And often you may need challenging, sensitive objects as as a part of the story that you're telling in order to convey the message. So in order to tell this shared narrative, just not of John C. Calhoun, but the movement by people in the United States in the late 1800s, early 1900s, to place these markers, monuments, statues, 
to romanticize the past and an opportunity to, to, to put suppression upon the, the, the minds and thoughts of, of a segment of our population. If you're bold enough to bring these artifacts from various points of the United States into one place to tell a shared experience, a shared story, then that effort is worth our attention and our support. We'll be right back with more after this quick message. Hi, I'm Jennifer Barry Hawes, a reporter from The Post and Courier. Working as a local reporter, I found that we can cover national stories in a way that reporters who come in from New York or DC or Atlanta simply cannot. We've lived in the community, we have contacts in the community, we've raised children here, we own houses here. We can bring perspectives that somebody coming in from the outside simply cannot. When stories come up, we know who to contact to find out what's going on. We understand the impact that it has on people who live here because we live here as well. That's why the local perspective that we provide is so important. Learn more at postandcourier.com slash subscribe. To refer to the Calhoun statue as a teachable moment would be an understatement. If you really want to engage with, to understand the Civil War and to understand the events leading up to the Civil War, you can't do so without understanding John, John C. Calhoun. He's a very complex figure. Simply to have his presence in the exhibition, again, to have it be a moment when we can really unpack the events leading up to the Civil War, for them to understand both the role of Calhoun as vice president, the role of South Carolina, nullification, right? The issue of secession, the issue of the integrity of the union and where all of that. Calhoun is the figure through whom to narrate those events. There's that, there's Calhoun himself. But at the same time, Charleston. And Charleston is a city, it's history, it's history in relation to slavery, and it's history, the shooting at Emanuel Church. To have a work from Charleston, so it isn't just about Calhoun himself and those events, but it would also you know, serve to remind us of Charleston's role historically and Charleston's role in the recent chapter, right, of what's going on. This could be the beginning of some type of dialogue because some folks are fearful of the conversation that needs to take place regarding history, culture, race, racism. Just as simple as that. And so you can hide behind not wanting to hurt his feelings not wanting to make him look bad, not want to embarrass him, but he's dead. And he did what he did. He said what he said. And some of the things that he's spoken into the atmosphere of our nation are still part of who we are as a country and the challenges that we face even now. Throughout this now years-long process of asking different communities for permission to display the monuments, what are some of the roadblocks that you're running into? A lot of the places that we've approached, you know, on the one hand, the monuments may have come down, but they haven't decided the issue of stewardship is still up in the air. So on the one hand, so we would send a proposal to City Hall and City Hall is like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, they may have come down under the mayor's discretion, but that's not that does not mean that the mayor or 
to, to City Hall necessarily as a steward of the objects. How do we handle this request, right? So it might not be politically expedient for the mayor to autocratically say yes or no. Instead, it's like, wait, what about my Department of Cultural Affairs? What about the Historic Preservation Committee, right? So those questions were still up in the air. So you get this proposal about people wanting to borrow something and you haven't figured out, well, who makes the decision? Here we are, and we step right into the middle of what was still a tender subject. Even if it rubs people the wrong way, even if you know it reignites tensions around the taking down of the monuments, is there a space to discuss what these things are with some measure of sobriety, right, and dialogue? So that's what we're hoping to do. And if it reignites those debates, that's unavoidable in some sense. But at the same time, to keep in mind that that's the goal. The goal is to create conditions in which we can clearly listen and talk to one another and learn who are these figures. And it isn't the question about them coming down and what to do with them. It is not a one-size-fits-all situation. There's a lawsuit right now that says the Calhoun Monument shouldn't be removed from the state of South Carolina. Could that affect this decision about the exhibit? What do we know about that right now? So the plaintiffs in the lawsuit are a group of descendants. One of the descendants is a direct descendant of John C. Calhoun. The rest are descendants of women who were in the Ladies Calhoun Monument Association. They're the ones who actually erected the statue in the late 1800s. And their argument is that when the Ladies Monument Association disbanded and gave over the statue to the city of Charleston, their intention was never for it to leave the state of South Carolina. The purpose of the statue is to honor what they call a great South Carolina statesman. That lawsuit is sort of still making its way through the judicial process, and it's being backed by a conservative advocacy group called the American Heritage Association, which has got involved with a lot of similar matters in the past. And while they didn't file the lawsuit themselves, they are raising money to support it. The city council still needs to decide if Charleston is going to lend the Calhoun statue out. But let's say even if that does happen and the statue is part of this exhibit, which is expected to open possibly in 2023, that will still be a temporary exhibit, right? So really, Charleston is still left with the question of what to do with the statue long term. Is that something that people have been discussing? Or is, is that something that came up in those conversations at the at the commission? It did sometimes come up. I don't really have any confirmed information about what plans would be for it next. I do know that it's been an issue even before this request was ever put in because it's so large. Even some museums physically don't have the space or, you know, they have to make a lot of decisions about what types of artifacts they prioritize. It hasn't been an easy solution even leading up to this request, and I don't think that it will be in the future. So at this point, I think they're just focusing on the next couple of years with this loan. 
Charleston is key to the narrative. And for all the rancor, for all the contention, for all the stuff that we're, 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 we're stirring up, it's for the good. Are museums a platform where we can have debates and dialogue and learn things and listen to one another? And that's what we want to craft. So for all of the seeming tenderness and contention around the Calhoun statue, we hope that it is for the better. Right, so it isn't necessarily a question of out of sight, out of mind. Again, we're somewhere where we've never been before. We want to be part of crafting a national dialogue that will offer perspectives to all participants in this issue. Until we have these narratives and these conversations, we will have the dust up that we're having today in our country. And, and I've just made it my mission to have these hard conversations because I think until until we do, our democracy is threatened. No if, no ands, no buts. And so John C. Calhoun now is a part of a narrative of the conversation that we need to have as a country. So we can't shield him. We can't protect him. We can't sugarcoat what he did, what he said. And I think, again, going out there to Los Angeles and, and being placed with others that are part of our whole process, I think it's a good thing for our country and our community. I would hope it can be tra can be traveled across the United States and specifically here in the South. And I grew up in King Street and there was a giant statue to the Confederacy, I think, um, in my hometown, as in most hometowns in small towns in, in South Carolina and across the former Confederacy. That's a reality. Why is that? What what makes these things so sacred now? The war is long gone and over. And if that's the case, how long are these things are going to stay up there? That's all for today. For more information about the monuments exhibit and coverage of the removal of the John C. Calhoun statue, check our show notes where I've linked several related stories. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for this podcast, reach out. You can email us at understandsc at postandcourier.com. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our intro music is by Billy Fountain. Let us know what you think of the show. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people like you find our show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a different news story from our state.